G'day and welcome to Lunch Money, where workouts, special situations and commercial finance specialists uh, talk about the news of the week. Um, my name is Nick Samios. I'm the Director and Fund Manager here at Hermes Capital and I'm your host. So uh, once again, welcome. Um, just a little reminder, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. And we're also available as a podcast on uh, on Apple, Google, and uh, and Stitcher. So uh, subscribe there as well, and don't forget to to, to like and uh, and share with your friends. Um, every week we we get a mix of uh, professionals from different walks of life to to um, give us their unique angles on on what's been going on in the world. Um, and this week our first guest is entrepreneurial accountant David Kenny. David's a partner at Hall Chadwick, has been for twenty plus years. And uh, he's got special interests in uh, startups and uh, and business growth. Um, so welcome, David. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having us. What uh, what has been keeping you busy this week or these past couple of weeks? Oh, look, it's been the sublime to the ridiculous from capital raising for companies. Um, got a couple of businesses uh, that are selling uh, for very you know, healthy numbers, and then keeping doors open and sort of managing for uh, different companies, who are effectively like their outsourced CFO. Uh, through to companies still, you know, queuing up to go to the US and jumping in the the um, immigration queues in the US to start businesses in the US. Um, as I said, capital raisings at one call and then job keepers another. So it's been a, a pretty topsy turvy eight weeks, but the last two weeks is um, starting to settle down a little bit, to be honest. So it's been good to see some people are getting back in control of what they're trying to work out. So and uh, so there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, uh, you, you, well, you're obviously seeing a lot of activity by the sounds of things. Yeah, look, there's definitely it's all uh, sector specific, I think, because some companies that are doing really well are in uh, financial services areas and and um, food food and uh, and and just crazy things. Like I was talking to a client yesterday about even a potential IPO, and they're in the travel sector. So right. they you know, companies that aren't necessarily uh, impacted by, um, you know, uh, travel, you know, per se, because they can reinvent to just mainly focus on domestic travel versus, you know, flights, etc. So that's been really just uh, reinventing businesses and working out how they react and, you know, come out of the crisis or slingshot out of the crisis a little bit better than they were before and, you know, re recalibrating their balance sheets and their cash flow burns and, working out whether or not they're eligible for this and that benefit and working out whether or not they're uh, going to put on more staff and attack when, you know, a lot of people are probably stepping back and, you know, seeing, you know, AdWords um, coming in at crazily, you know, ridiculously cheap prices because people yeah. are out of the market. So um, there's a lot of uh, people that are sitting back hibernating, but I think the better people are still, um, you know, swinging away and trying to reinvent and create opportunities for them and uh, help help them out and give them a bit of a head start while everyone else is um, sitting on the bench. Well, yeah, look, it's it's it has been crazy. I mean, it's been interesting. For example, to to follow Webjet, you know, it's uh, if you've been watching, you've probably been watching that share price, given your interest in in travel. Um, and, yeah, um, I mean, what what what's behind that? Do you think is it just because it went so low? Yeah, I think it's um, people are. You know, market builds in expectations of what the price is going to do and what the business is going to do. And I think uh, we've we're seeing globally, you know, a lot of countries, you know, spend their way out of um, you know uh, recession. And so, you know, the, the I think that the expectation is that the recovery, certainly in Australia, is going to um, happen faster. 
Um, so we've got more you know, optimism um, and domestic travel and people that pent up demand is also starting to show. Um, so there's a lot of, um, there's been some good things that the government's done to try and you know, stop the, um, the the severity of the landing, but also just because we're on this big island, it might well be you know, a better position than most. So. Um, yeah, we we chose we chose well, didn't we? To, to, we chose to well, Australia. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, you know, there's 101 questions I'd love to ask you about the appetite for capital uh, and all that, all that sort of stuff. But but first, we'll just go to I'll, I'll just put you on hold there, David, and we'll we'll go to our uh, our um, our next guest, Darren Anderson. Um, Darren is a managing director and um, at uh, ERA Legal. Um, you, you may have uh, seen Darren in one of our earlier episodes. Um, what's been keeping you busy these last couple of weeks, Darren? Uh, well, on a positive note, Nick, from the start of the pandemic, we saw an immediate and almost total cessation of our uh, lending work, work we do for um, a number of private lenders, sort of dried up uh, completely. We probably would have seen over the uh, last three months, we probably would have written somewhere between 150 to 250 million dollars worth of loans. We've probably written about uh, 40 uh, during that period, but I've noticed it started to pick up um, over the last three or four weeks, um, uh, which is good from almost total uh, cessation. Um, the lenders uh, are, are back out lending again, which is a which is a good thing. Um, there's certainly a lot of recovery work, a lot of default work. I think we're right. going to talk about that a bit later on. I wonder uh, what whatever happened to you know when when all of this started and I think probably when we when we spoke uh, in our, you know all, all those weeks back um, everyone was talking about the the holding docker what what happened to this plethora of holding dockers I think you were a little bit skeptical at the time well, I think the government gave the whole country a holding docker the yeah. uh, um, the Scott Morrison uh, gave the uh, the whole country a, a free holding docker. Um, to the chagrin of a number of uh, insolvency lawyers and insolvency practitioners by giving a six-month moratorium uh, against any uh, director-related insolvent trading claims and also essentially telling everybody they didn't have to pay their debts for six months by um, changing the three-week period on statutory demands to a period of six months. So essentially your payment terms were extended by the government by uh, and, six months, and and you're saying that you, you're seeing a little bit of lending activity come back. I can say that you know, in my personal experience, uh, people are still reluctant to to make commitments because there's still a, a certain level of uncertainty. Um, I mean, do you think that's changing? Um, well, I'll put it this way: I think that there you could put a hundred million or a hundred billion out the door tomorrow if you were a um, if if you're a silly lender. Um, with plenty of capital. Um, so it's not because the lenders don't have an appetite to lend. It's because the lenders are sensible um, and, and just sitting back and taking a breath and, and waiting and picking the right deals. So certainly for a lender, there's plenty of deals out there. But uh, if you want to be a sensible lender, pick the right ones. Yeah, well, I think that certainly it's a question of sticking to your knitting. I mean, we, we've certainly seen plenty of uh, what you might call opportunities that are weird and wonderful, uh, but but certainly nowhere uh, nowhere sort of uh, necessarily down the centre of, uh, of of what our mandate or Ballywick is. 
Um, and so, do you do you think that the the the, the lenders you're dealing with are the deals just are the deals beginning to happen because they're just running out of time, or because you know that that the you know the shackles are coming off? I think the deals are happening because the lenders are more comfortable with how the market um, is playing out. Um, the, the loans are stacking up. Um, they can see uh, there's a bit of um, bit of the fog is starting to clear about what might happen in the future. Um, I've got uh, I've just got a just got a question actually, Darren. I haven't seen this before. We're just using a little bit of uh, technology, but uh, one of our viewers is asking. Uh, are they distress lends, or uh, I guess because you're in the private, in the, you know, a lot of your borrowers, uh, a lot of your lenders yeah. are private. Well, in terms of distress lends, um, I see that the questions come from an insolvency practitioner. Uh, not not distress lends in terms of the borrowers being uh, in some sort of insolvency position or wanting to take out a um, a lender who's about to pull the trigger on them, but. Um, yeah. Essentially, borrowers who who can't um, get the money off the first tier banks. Okay. Um, All right. Well, look, I tell you what, that's a bit of a, a bit of a good segue for our um, our next guest, Darren um, uh, 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 Justin Dubov. Uh, Justin Dubov uh, is the um, managing director of Intelligent Finance. Uh, how are you, Justin? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nick. Um, fantastic, fantastic to have you along. Um, now, I know, Justin, that uh, you obviously deal with some private lenders, but you also deal with uh, a lot of the major banks. So, yes. I mean, just hearing what Darren had to say then about activity, I mean, what, what are you seeing and what's keeping you busy? Uh, what's, two months ago, what was keeping me busy, we had a lot of clients, we've got thousands of clients, but we had uh, you know, several hundred of those clients uh, contact us to put payments on hold and Clients that had previously weathered the storm of the GFC, we didn't have one client going to default during the GFC. So it was a bit of an eye-opener to have a lot of clients early on. As soon as COVID hit, uh, people were losing jobs, people were, uh, their revenue stopped overnight. And so we, we were fielding a lot of calls and just helping clients and guiding them through the path of which path to take uh, if, they, if they didn't have the revenue to pay their loan repayments. This, this was pre the bank's coming out with the, uh, we'll put, the, put your loan repayments on hold for six months. And so I was navigating that. And then we thought that for three to six months, we'd be dead, we'd be, you know, twiddling our thumbs and fingers. Uh, but we have never been this busy, uh, just nonstop with clients. That's, uh, and whether they're very optimistic, that, that'll tell in the future, but uh, we're inundated with people wanting to refinance to better loans, better structures, but also, uh, a lot of people wanting to purchase and there's a lot of demand even during COVID when people couldn't even actually go to an inspection. We had people buying properties just because they, whether they're a buyer's agent or their real estate agent gone through uh, with their mobile phone and showed them through the property and they were happy to exchange on that. I must say uh, I've been following uh, Chris Joy who writes for the AFR and he's yeah. been having a bit of fun with uh, with the property bears. I mean, he's I don't, I'm not sure if I describe him as a bull, but he's certainly not a bear, and uh, he's done a lot of research showing that the property market's doing okay. And I'm not sure if you if you follow him. Um, I just wonder. Um, I've been speaking to some uh, equipment finance brokers lately, and they're saying that uh, if they're taking a deal to one of the major banks, for example, um, that that major bank is requiring the borrower to sign to say whether or not they've asked for a um, a payment holiday or a hiatus, the six month 
reprieve from other banks, and that that's uh, that's basically precluding them. Are you coming across any of that? Yeah, lenders like in the past, if you were self-employed, they would look at your last two years tax returns and your two years income. So, like today, we're in June, and historically, if we did a loan for someone in June, they would look at somebody's 2018 and 2019 tax returns, which are kind of irrelevant in a in a growth market. Where now they're actually asking, show us your last two weeks, or when I say the last six months business statements, but yeah. also show us the last two and four weeks of your business accounts and loan statements, credit card statements, show us all of that because they want to see where was your income going like that and then all of a sudden it's fallen off a cliff. Uh, and then some lenders are wanting to know, uh, have you taken on JobKeeper? If you have, um, why? And that you need a good explanation as to why somebody's taken on JobKeeper and give an explanation as to why it shouldn't affect their income going forward. So, uh, but it does, you know, not to side with the lenders, but if someone has put their payments on hold, it does show a weakness somewhere in their financial position. So we've said to clients that you know, if you've got cash to uh, trade out of uh, any issue, because you're not getting a free kick, it's not your payments are cancelled, it's just deferred. So yeah. if you've got 100 grand in the bank, why would you put your $1,000 a month car loan repayments or truck loan repayments on hold? You may as well pay them and it shows, a period, it shows strength and doesn't show any weaknesses uh, in your financials, because especially that a lot of companies are expecting to trade out of this quite comfortably. So yeah. put your payment on hold. Don't just try and take the free kick. Just And some people made that mistake because as soon as it was announced, they just put it on hold when they actually didn't need to. Well, what, yeah, I had one broker telling me uh, that with one of the banks, uh, when when uh, when they first brought in this ability to to extend payments for six months, they were inundated for two weeks because they had no systems for coping with this. Yeah. But then as soon as people realised that it was beginning to affect their credit with the banks, you know, the next two weeks uh, people were ringing madly saying, no, please uh, put me back on my regular monthly payments. I guess you handle that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we actually sent an email out to all our clients when it first came out saying, before you do it, these are the potential issues that you could face, and one of them being it's going to put it where it's not going to directly affect your credit report, but it's going to correct affect your credit standing when a lender looks at your bank statements and see that you stopped making those payments, but they can see that you should have made them. Now that uh, we've introduced everybody, we will uh, take the next step. We'll just bring everybody together to begin with. I guess um, uh, Justin made some interesting points there, David. Uh, you have seen any of that sort of thing? Are you dealing with lenders at all? Yeah, definitely. There's, um, I think there's been a, a rush to try and put things on hold, but you know, demonstrating strength and having a look at you know, your balance sheet and sort of triaging uh, creditors and making sure that you make sensible capital decisions rather than panicking has been the, the key thing and, and people are just wanting to know what to do, how to manage that timing and cash flows and working out are we going to get JobKeeper. There's a lot of different moving parts. So whenever there's a crisis, I find that you know, a lot of the times the uh, the CFO becomes the CEO because you're sort of managing capital allocation decisions, uh, which are pretty critical. And uh, so that's just been the last eight weeks with conversations about cash flows and dealing with lenders and negotiating with landlord extensions or not. And um, working out, you know, what, what's your new business look like after that? After this, are you in a category that's a winner or a loser? And how do you come through that? Okay. Now, all right. Yeah, very, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, very interesting. I just imagine that a lot of lenders would be asking you for your opinions on financials as well. Look, we'll go to our, uh, our news headlines because we've got, uh, we've got a few to get through. We've put three different headlines together here. ANZ, 
this was on Monday. Uh, ANZ, uh, one of the one of the ANZ bankers uh, was suggesting that um, you know businesses, if they're struggling, uh, they should just wind up and uh, and walk away. And uh, I think Darren, you'll remember uh, when we had Scott Langdon on, he made uh, the uh, the the interesting comment about uh, businesses. It's an opportunity to uh, what did he say? Uh, um, elegantly dismount was one of the things that he'd said. Uh, but, you know, so we've got the banks on one hand saying, look, uh, wind it up and walk away if, uh, if there's no future for your business uh, rather than seek all of this support. Uh, we've, you know, we've, we've got bankers that are more optimistic on their problem loans on one hand, but on the other hand, there's this headline, loan arrears increase with economic downturn. You know, for someone like me who's trying to uh, forecast the future, there's very mixed signals there. I mean, what do you make of all of that, Darren? Uh, well, which headline do you follow, I suppose? Um, yeah. <laughs> getting back to um, the elegant dismount, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the elegant dismount. Unfortunately, we're not seeing enough of it. I think this is a, it's a perfect opportunity for businesses that are in distress um, to get out uh, with some capital intact. And when I read that article um, about uh, the what the ANZ had said, I thought uh, Scott might have uh, ghostwritten it because that's what he was talking about 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 eight weeks ago. Yeah. Um, in relation to the the headline uh, that was in the AFR about the bankers being more optimistic, um, I think the problem with that article is is that the anticipation was wrong. Um, the the they said, people seem to anticipate that everything was going to fall over and collapse. Uh, within a short three-month uh, period. I think the reality is um, things are going to be okay uh, up until about Christmas time or thereabouts, except if you're in hospitality or you're in tourism, uh, which is which is a disaster. The real problems are going to start to flow through, I think, um, next year. Next year when, when um, the focus is off the banks, uh, people have forgotten about, we're all in this together. We've we've got to work collectively and be nice to each other. When the banks and the lenders um, start to crack down, or the first year banks start to crack down on their banking covenants, um, people are without a job. Uh, all the businesses who have been shut down and have reopened realise they can't survive. That's when things are going to really get ugly, and I think you're going to see a catastrophic number of um, mortgage defaults, both residential and commercial, and that'll flow through from about the first, the end of the first quarter next year um, through into 2022. So I think we're in for a long, hard road. So you're, you're really saying that this sort of, um, I guess, you know, no man's land or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that we're kind of in at the moment, you're seeing an extension of that. Which there's not going to be uh, uh, a correction uh, as such, uh, in the short term, is what you're saying. Um, what, what, what do you think, David? I mean, uh, let me just interject by saying, you know, some I've been speaking to a bunch of people through the week who tell me that the the banks uh, are doubling their their capacity and their workout teams, and the banks themselves are expecting trouble from September, you know, onwards. People are talking about a cliff. Um, I know, David, you're you're sort of. Uh, I'm not sure what part of the building you're sitting in, but I know you're not sitting in the same part as your insolvency guide. So you, you've sort of uh, got a more optimistic view, presumably. Well, I think definitely. I think that um, you know, at a macro level, what Darren's saying is right. There's you know, there's going to be some headwinds that we're going into, but um, 
it's, it's dangerous to rely on a general statement to say, look, wind it up and walk away because a lot of companies that I'm working with are, you know, really are reinventing and they're coming out of this stronger because they're being able to re-look really at how they're allocating their capital and who they're hiring and, you know, reviewing their teams and, and working out, you know, where their customers, you know, are, um, you know, going and how they can support them and they're coming out of this, they're going to come out of this stronger. So, uh, obviously, it's a good opportunity if there is, if your balance sheet is weak and you you've got no reasonable way of you know changing up what you're serving up to customers and your unit economics don't make any sense anymore. Then definitely, uh, it's probably worthwhile considering you know walking away and sort of no longer being um, you know liable or being potentially personally liable. And in this um, amnesty, I guess uh, we have um, a. Um, an opportunity to look at that where there's a little bit of all bets are off in terms of insolvent trading. But but I think that there's no doubt that there's going to be some companies that are going to fall over much more after this um, 30 September goes through because everyone's sort of sitting on their hands waiting to see what do I do and uh, banks aren't appointing and um, all, all of those things are making it a sort of a false sense of security. But equally, well, there's going to be some people come out of this stronger. I mean, some of the best companies or the best company on the ASX by market cap, um, you know, CSL came out of a crisis. And um, so I, I don't think there's, it's not a one-stop shop for the messages walk away. It's, I think we've got lots of good companies out there doing quite well in this um, uh, environment. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, there's, a, there's M&A opportunities and all sorts of things. Just before we move to the next headline, Justin, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think um, from what we've seen, it's... Uh, over the past you know, 10 years, especially when uh, as all these businesses have been ramping up and wanting to borrow money, there have been a lot of companies that don't have uh, the basic fundamentals that, you know, that you're in business to make profit. There are a lot of businesses just in it to build a custom base and try and sell their business. And yeah. a lot of those companies we're seeing are struggling because they didn't have uh, any decent revenue or decent profit uh, coming in the door to keep them alive. So it's kind of uh, the COVID has basically expedited their demise. Uh, so things like throwing money at them for JobKeeper and all these incentives is putting someone on life support that probably should have uh, not been there in the first place. Right. Uh, and then one of the other things was the uh, where the government just blanketly said uh, and the banks followed by, by allowing everyone to put their loans on hold for six months, we had pushed uh, and only recently have they allowed this, but we were saying, don't literally go from someone paying a high monthly payment to paying nothing. Have an option in between where if you've forced people to pay principal and interest, so they're on a principal and interest repayment, why not get them to pay interest only? So instead of making them pay nothing, get them to pay something so at least they're staying on top of their debt and they're used to getting used to paying a monthly repayment. Because now you're basically taking somebody that's for the last, for the next six months has got no monthly loan repayments, they'll allocate that spending somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, in six months' time, you're going to ask them to now start paying a higher payment. So I think they need to stagger the how people come off this uh, payment on hold life support system. So things like now the banks have started, um, and we've been pushing it for, for three months now or two and a half months, to say allow people to pay interest only, but don't make it just for six months. Make it for 12 months. So allow so that when people are coming off, you've got people slowly coming off uh, at, at, staggered, like, you know, at staggered points. Uh, especially that if some people can't afford to make their loan repayments after six months and they have to sell, you don't want a, a, a glut of properties hitting the market and that'll put yeah. it down on the market. 
Yeah, I can't believe, like I know that uh, everyone's talking about a cliff in, in September, October. Darren's suggesting it's going to be sometime next year. But I can't believe they're not going to uh, maybe extend JobKeeper or the banks uh, the, the banks will also be uh, working on, the, the banks will be cognizant of all those things that you've just said, Justin. So unless everybody takes the view that they just want to, uh, you know, uh, rip the Band-Aid off, um, yeah, we'll see. Listen, we'll go to the next slide. We're just, uh, there's a couple of slides we really want to get to. So we're just going to skip to this one now. Um, you know, Virgin's obviously uh, a, a big topic. There's, there's a lot um, been in the news this week because there's been uh, a bit of argy-bargy with different buyers. Uh, there was two and then there was a third one and then there was a fourth one. Um, what's what's your take on the Virgin situation, Darren? A extraordinarily fast sale campaign. And um, as you say, there's two bidders left. Um, and I'm almost positive that a couple of the bidders that have been excluded are going to be very unhappy about the process and, and how it has been run, particularly uh, BGH, and I wouldn't be surprised if some litigation um, falls out of it. Is that um, right? In the next couple of weeks, It'd be interesting to see. Wow. Um, I understand the final bids are um, for the two remaining are due in uh, around about the twenty second of um, June or thereabouts. And um, the Bain Capital guys, I think, in my view, probably got the inside. Uh, running, they, they certainly have the experience. Which um, one's the one that Richard Branson's uh, involved with? Um, I think. Well, sure. It's um, is it Bain David? Do you know? Uh, I think I'm not sure. Actually, I mean, I haven't really been following it closely, other than just wondering um, about. You know, my understanding is that the Queensland government's going to just go in with whoever wins, but uh, I haven't followed it intimately. I know, so I know that the I know that the um, the Bain guys have got um, our elegant dismount friend Scott Langdon and um, Cordamenta in there advising them, which is a pretty smart move given their recapitalisation and turnaround strategy. So, um, be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And and, and David, you're sort of our 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 resident uh, M and A expert on, on on this panel. I mean. I know that you're saying you haven't watched it closely, but uh, Darren's made the comment that he thinks the sale process has been very quick. I mean, what's your view on that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, something this complicated is it has gone quickly. Um, people are wanting certainty. Um, but, you know, typically something like this is a very planned, you know, sale, but, you know, in the in the context of insolv an insolvent issue, um, there's obviously statutory uh, rules that are driving the timetable, but... Yeah, look, it's it's definitely going very. Uh, it's been surprising um, how it's operated in terms of you know disclosures and you know, look, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, no doubt. It's just one that I haven't been following closely, but just you know, I know some of the people um, involved in the uh, the bid just one, in one group, and but I don't know the details. But it definitely has. I agree with Dan. It seems to be going pretty quickly for a, a business this complicated and. But, you know, who, who knows? Yeah, I guess uh, I'm a virgin frequent flyer, so that's kind of uh, the extent of my interest at the moment. I just hope that they're still there and all my points are intact. There was an article yesterday. I mean, I, through the week, I'm obviously seeing these articles and thinking, geez, that'll make an interesting talking point. And there was the ATO to investigate $11 million JobKeeper claim. And then today we've got the cops raid firm over JobKeeper 
uh, wrought. I'm just reading the headlines there. I'm not making any accusations, but it was a betting company in um, uh, it was a betting company in uh, in Victoria. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I don't know the background here, but uh, but Darren, what um, have you been following this one at all, or, or do you think there'll be more of this? Uh, I think, unfortunately, there'll be a lot of it, and um, I think um, it's it's an anyone who's wrought in the JobKeeper scheme, it's, it's a disgrace because it's so easy to, to wrought, um, and the government and the authorities should come down on them like a ton of bricks. It's a, it's 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 just like cheating on your bass or cheating on your social security. Yeah, people. It seems to be awfully yeah. quick that they've swooped in on this. Well, what one would imagine that someone from within inside that business has, has tipped off um, the authorities, um, one would think that the the government would want to get the message out there very quickly that if you're rotting the JobKeeper scheme, they're going to come down on you like a ton of bricks because, as I say, it would be it's extraordinarily easy to rot uh, and I think there'll be a hell of a lot of it going on, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it's a positive message too, Nick, to get it out quickly to say, you know, it's there for people that need it um, and if you're not entitled or you artificially uh, contrive, you know, your, your turnover figures, which is I think what they were, uh, the, the AFR was uh, saying there were some, you know, internal emails. Um, uh, I just I've said, I have read that article and I think it's a good message that the ATO are getting on the front foot to say, uh, be aware that it's it's not free money. It's um, it's there are very stringent criteria. Um, but interestingly, I think that a lot of people haven't claimed JobKeeper because one of the statements was that it's incredibly complicated because it's been uh, the legislation that's been done by press releases and treasury announcements and changes and new formulas. So it has been a pretty um, a stringent thing that's been applied. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, I'm sure Darren's right. There'll be a lot of people claiming it that aren't entitled to it. So um, that's going to keep you know, the ATO busy for a long time, I'd say. Can I just add this quickly, Nick, as well? It's not only the JobKeeper that's being rorted, but it's the commercial landlords who are also getting rorted under the oh, code oh, yeah, by, yeah. by tenants who, yeah. who do not fulfil the criteria but are claiming to fall within the code as well. So it needs to stop. Listen, I've just had a couple of our uh, a couple of our viewers have uh, told us that it's the Cyrus bid is the one that Richard Branson's involved with. Um, uh, they want to bring the fun of uh, they want to bring back the fun of Virgin Blue. So uh, happy days to them <laughs> if 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 that happens. Well, uh, so that's uh, that's that. I did. I'm, I'll just give you my mercenary thought when I saw that. Um, I, I thought, gee, I wonder. You know, uh, uh, there might be some lending opportunities there for people that need to uh, write big fat checks back to the ATO. There might be something in that for Justin and myself uh, when that happens. And so we'll go to our. If we can go to the slide about the uh, the billion dollar uh, stimulus uh, injection. Here we go. Uh, and I'll ask you to comment on this one uh, first, Justin. So uh, this is where the government's announced a, a billion dollar boost for builders. Uh, uh, to kick off a, a stimulus. Um, firstly, what, what well, I guess, Justin, what, what do you think it'll mean uh, for the property market? And uh, are, the, are the banks ready to support uh, to support this activity? People are presumably aren't going to be uh, uh, doing all this building activity out of their piggy banks. Presumably, they'll need bank support. What, what do you think? Well, I think they've made JobKeeper uh, so easy to claim, and they've made this one 
so hard to claim. It's so technical with how you've got to earn below a certain income, you've got to spend a certain amount, but not too much. So there's too many res like, uh, restrictions, and they're trying to get people to spend, you've got to spend $150,000 to get your $25,000 back. But uh, for most people, and then you only can spend it if you've got a property on an existing property that's valued at less than 1.5 mil or a new build of less than $750,000. But people don't make those sort of decisions to spend $150,000 to $750,000 worth of building costs uh, overnight. So it's going to take three or four months uh, for someone to decide what they want to do. They've got to go get council-approved plans if they're spending, you know, if, they're, if they're renovating a house. So I think they're, my, my personal opinion is instead of making it on, on an investment that might take three or four months before a tradesman actually will even need to be uh, engaged because if someone engages a tradesman tomorrow, it's because they were just about to sign a building contract because you have to sign a, sign a building contract to be able to get it. So I think it probably would have been better delivered and more people could have used it if it was more about renovations. So any renovation over 10 or 20 grand, whatever it might be, um, you want to uh, install a new deck, uh, paint the house, put new tiles in the bathroom. And put a cabana on your swimming pool out the back. Put a cabana out the back of your swimming pool. What about, uh, what about some pink bats? A pink bat? But each of those... But, yeah. Because my concern is that people are going to rush. They'll, they'll end up, someone that wasn't going to renovate ends up deciding to renovate. They'll sign up with a builder. They'll probably pay a premium of more than $25,000 to lock in a builder and someone will stitch them up and they'll be doing it for the wrong reason where there's a lot of people that could have just done small renovations and they could have engaged the tradie today, tomorrow, on the weekend to start painting, painting the walls or putting you know, new decking down in the backyard. And that would have had a broader benefit for the economy and kickstart the tradies working straight away. And we've already got a very high debt rate anyway. I mean, the you know Australia's uh, property love of uh, homes. I mean, you've got to have an income of less than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and spend more than one hundred fifty. That just yeah. means you know, they're encouraging people to get into more debt. Maybe right. good, I guess, Justin. But you know, at some point, you know, we're got, we're very long on property. Um, and you know the the way out of this is creating jobs, and obviously the construction of the industry is great, and then we that will help lead things. But it's a it's we've, we've got gone back to either the mining or the houses. We need to really encourage people in other businesses and be the the smart country um, rather than just you know relying on um, homes and dirt. Well, the I was going to say another time, David. We'll have to get get you back to talk about uh, what that might look like in terms of manufacturing and other sectors that you're involved in. As you're saying, it's a, my concern is that people are going to rush. They'll, they'll end up someone that wasn't going to renovate ends up deciding to renovate. They'll sign up with a builder. They'll probably pay a premium of more than twenty five thousand dollars to to lock in a builder, and someone will stitch them up, and they'll be doing it for the wrong reason. Where there's a lot of people that could have just done small renovations and they could have engaged the tradie today, tomorrow, on the weekend to start painting painting the walls or putting you know, new decking down in the backyard and that would have had a broader benefit for the economy and kickstart the tradies working straight away. And we've already got a very high debt rate anyway. I mean, the you know, Australia's uh, property love of uh, homes I mean, you've got to have an income of less than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars and spend more than one hundred fifty. 
that just yeah. means you know, they're encouraging people to get into more debt. Maybe right. good, I guess, Justin, but you know, at some point, you know, we're got, we're very long on property. Um, and you know the the way out of this is creating jobs, and obviously the construction of the industry is great, and then we that will help lead things. But it's uh, it's we've we've got we've gone back to either the mining or the houses. We need to really encourage people in other businesses and be the the smart country um, rather than just you know relying on um, homes and dirt. Well, the I was going to say another time, David. We'll have to get get you back to talk about uh, what that might look like in terms of manufacturing and other sectors that you're involved in. As you're saying, it's uh, it's not just uh, mining and uh, dirt. Uh, what what are your thoughts, uh, Darren? I, I sense a, a modicum of skepticism. My, my concern is this: I think we went through a 10, 12 week period where we had um, no cynicism in politics, where um, everyone had banded together. I think this um, statement about um, the the building stimulus is really the cynical politics is starting to come back. It's really right. let's put out a press release, pretend we're putting doing a stimulus, but really no one's going to qualify um, for it. So let's get back to what we were doing a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was working together, and hopefully the cynical marketing politics isn't isn't creeping back. That's what I fear. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, it's going to happen. It's starting to happen. To follow on from that as well, it, it's geared towards owner occupiers. So, as what David said, you're pushing people into more debt. Which, while we make money from people going into debt, I'm not a I'm not a fan of people getting into too much debt and getting into the wrong sort of debt. But you, you're pushing people into getting owner occupied debt that's non deductible. Where if the if the whole idea was to stimulate the economy then why not have it for investment properties as well? So at least if somebody's getting into debt, they're then improving the investment property that's going to get a higher rental return and generate money for the person as opposed to giving them bad debt of an extra one hundred and fifty dollars to $750,000. Yeah, geez, it does, uh, it, it does certainly have the potential for, uh, for, for biting back, doesn't it? I'll just, uh, we're, just, we're just running out of time, so just uh, maybe some closing thoughts on... Um, what, how do you see the rest of the uh, the, the rest of the next couple of weeks playing out? Um, I'll start with, uh, with with you, David. Are you seeing many? Uh, I know there's this 100% deductible investment allowance. I mean, what what do you think is going to keep you busy the next couple of weeks as we see out the financial year? Oh, look, it's just more of the same, honestly, uh, Nick. I think there's you know people still out there capital raising. Um, I've got a uh, an IPO possibly starting. Um, I think there's a lot of people um, that are you know, reinventing their businesses and you know, working with some retailers uh, for that purpose. Um, I think you know, a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions about people buying cars, whether or not you know, this, you, know, where you can go out and buy luxury cars. I've been asked a lot of questions about, can I go get a luxury car? Obviously, right. there's a lot of consumer sentiment issues. It's, it's all over the place at the moment. Um, I, I, I hope that you know, we're spending more time you know, dealing with helping Australian companies and government to buy from Australian companies. But that's yeah. what's going to drive us out of the, the market rather than, you know, buying foreign product and foreign American software and starting to uh, see, you know, the, um, the Australian government look after Australian companies and buying local. I think that's, you know, hopefully going to keep us, that'll, that'll do the best job of everything in terms of getting us out of this mess. It, to the extent it is a mess too. It is yeah, yeah, it's yeah. minus 0.3%, you know, the start of it. Uh, that's, that, that's just that quarter, you know. All right, well, just briefly, uh, uh, Justin, what, what do you think is going to, how are you going to see out the rest of the financial year? 
Well, I think well, from our side, it's it's going to keep growing. Like even you know, during COVID, we were we were busy. I think it's just going to keep getting busier. Uh, Australians have got a massive appetite for for property. It seems as a, seen as a uh, a safer bet uh, for parking their money. Uh, we've got a lot of clients that have got a lot of cash in the bank at earning 0.1%. Like bugger yeah. all, you put it into an investment property, you're going to get you know three. You know, assume your tenant pays, but you get say two, three, four percent rental return and potentially capital growth. So I just see that that market still growing. Um, so yeah, very but, tough, for, very tough for retirees, isn't it? Um, Darren, what what about yourself? Uh, how do you see uh, yourself playing out the rest of the financial year? What I'm looking forward to, Nick, is the Queensland Premier leading us back into Queensland, so we can all go on our winter holidays and spend some money in the uh, in the country. So I think yeah, it needs to be a bit of sense with that, but um, really more of the same, Nick. I can't see anything changing over the next couple of weeks, but hopefully we can get some of the borders reopened. So uh, yeah. we can start generating some income for the poor hospitality workers and the uh, tourism operators that are suffering uh, the most. And could I just say, yeah. make a plug, the restaurants yep. are reopened. Get out, if you've got money, get out and spend some money in the restaurants and, uh, and bars and uh, help the people out who really need it. Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a great point. All right. Well, look, uh, on that, we'll uh, we'll wrap up. So uh, many thanks uh, to Justin Dubov from uh, Intelligent Finance, to David Kenny from Hall Chadwick, and uh, Darren Anderson from ERA Legal. Thank you very much uh, to those of you that have uh, watched us live. Um, uh, shout out to those of you who are watching us uh, on replay on YouTube over the weekend or, uh, or who've downloaded the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. And we look forward uh, to your feedback. Um, so we'll leave it there. So um, thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Dick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Cheers.